This is Ryan Cruz from CultureCast Radio, and you're listening to the 4D Podcast Network. Welcome to Home Alone. I am your host, Michael Malone, and today I'm sharing a conversation I had with Melissa De Silva. Melissa is a therapist and transformational coach for the queer community, and she's also the author of the new book, The Profitable Practice. Our conversation revolved around the queer community and how we can better navigate the waters to help fight normalizing transgender and, and queer lifestyles here in America. Because unfortunately, we're living in a divided time where the reversal of gay marriage and trans-friendly bathrooms and even their service in our military are being questioned. And the more Melissa and I spoke about trans rights, pronouns, and genders, the more it became clear that they just wanted to be included. I know that that seems like a pretty basic human right, right? Like, (laughs) they just want to have a seat at the table. That's all any of us really want. I think it's fair to say that we all struggle with identity, even if it's not attached to sexuality or gender. We all go through life asking ourselves the same question. Who am I? It's such a simple question, but yet sometimes it can take a lifetime to answer. Oftentimes, we don't even find ourselves until we're in our late 30s or 40s. Luckily, we are living in a time with the internet, so we're able to see other people who look like us or have the same smile or laugh. Maybe you follow somebody on TikTok or Instagram that has the same outlook or sexuality or mindset as you do, or even better, maybe they're doing something that you're too afraid to do. So it gives you courage. Seeing yourself represented in the world is one of the most important things in life. The world is meant to be a mirror not a wall. So when you hear my conversation with Melissa, I want you to really put yourself in the shoes of a queer or trans person. I I want you to see yourself in them because they need to see themselves in you. I think we could all work on being a better mirror and not a wall. Enjoy. talking to a friend of mine from from back home i grew up in a small town in ohio and uh, a few months ago we were we were talking politics and the issue of transgender bathrooms came up and he had said gender neutral yes yes Mm. yes i guess yeah not transgender (laughs) these are only for gender neutral bathrooms and uh and he you know he brought up a, a common unfortunately a common talking point which was this uh, this fear of well if if we let uh transgender people in the men's room or the women's room then they are going to molest my child and i i replied back to him i said i said if you're really worried about your kid getting sexually molested don't take them to church 
Exactly. I was <laughs> just going to say that. Yes. <laughs> it's this, I, I don't understand this fear that goes with this, uh, with the transgender community, the queer community. Uh, and we've, we've dealt with it. I mean, this has been happening for decades now. This isn't a new issue. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering where that fear is rooted from. I got to tell you, my trans male clients are like, what the fuck is going on in those men bathrooms? <laughs> like, <laughs> they don't shut the stall. <laughs> it's disgusting in there. Nobody's... Exactly. So they don't want to even be in there. So don't worry about it. <laughs> Nobody's going to a bathroom and being like, man, I should fuck in here. You know? Yes. <laughs> Especially maybe in the women's room, but in the men's room, nope. nobody's going in there to fuck. We keep I, our I, eyes I, down and mind <laughs> our own business, walk out. Yes. Yes. So whatever they think is happening in the bathrooms, I don't know what bathrooms they're going to, but this is a yeah. weird situation where they think like, yeah, my child's gonna get molested. Like nobody's gonna molest your child in the bathroom. We're just minding our own business. We're evacuating our bowels and getting out. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, and this 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 fear of uh, this will turn me gay has been a narrative throughout <laughs> history that I can't wrap my mind around. Uh, you know, and and I don't, you know, I it's such a uh, I think it goes back to that idea of uh, of this frail masculine ego that America has. Mm. Um, this this you know we are the best we're the toughest we're built for tough we're this mm-hmm. we're that we're the marlboro man yes. you know you don't fuck with texas you know that That's kind right. of <laughs> that bravado that we exude it's uh it's gross and it's a problem and i think it bleeds over in a hugely negative way into the queer community mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and i love that you know, you're going to turn somebody gay. Well, how many times have people try to turn gay people straight? It doesn't work. Right. It doesn't go one way and not the other. My, my a buddy of mine used to do this great joke about uh, growing up in wrestling in high school and how a lot of his, his friends would be uncomfortable with it. And they would tell him like, you know, wrestling turns you gay. And he's like, listen, if wrestling on a mat with another man for, you know, 10 to 12 minutes will turn you gay, I got news for you. You are already gay. Yes. <laughs> Before you started wrestling. Which is ironic because I have my gay best friend came in one day and he was, we were watching MMA and he looked at it and he goes, well, that's kind of homoerotic, don't you think? Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like, okay. I guess it is. <laughs> it is odd. It usually is the things that a straight men put up on a pedestal are usually the gayest things. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. like, let's get shirtless and wrestle. And you're like, okay. Uh, <laughs> or yep. like, I'm going to put balls on my truck. And you're like, yes. All right. You just spend an hour in a store. I'm going to stand behind a man holding a football really <laughs> <Yeah>. close. <laughs> yes. Yeah, everything, all this super, you know, bravado male straightness is all related to, to feeling each other up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And if we could all just see this, we could all just live happily ever after. <laughs> yeah, I never, I never understand this when it bleeds over into people's lives. When, and it gets into their personal lives when they're like, you know, they're against gay marriage and all this stuff. My argument is always like, if you don't want to get gay married, then don't get gay married. Exactly. <laughs> Just don't do it. Exactly. Like, why does it matter if if this person's doing it or that person? Or like, why does that affect you? And I mean, obviously, I, I think a, a lot of it 
you know, in my personal opinion, a lot of it stems back to religion. You know, yeah. we we're battling two different things in America, and and one is this, you know, that that toxic uh, masculine energy, and the other is religion. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. I, I would agree with that. Um, yeah, and the whole like that it's supposed to be between a man and a woman really doesn't matter if there's a penis or a vagina in the pants when they get married does it <laughs> like it has nothing right. to do with the marriage itself <laughs> and it, and if you do look through the bible i mean there's no better example i mean jesus was a gay man he had yep. a perm he wore yep. open-toed <laughs> sandals a yep. nightgown in public i mean he's drinking wine with his friends this mm-hmm. is probably one of the gayest <laughs> men in history and uh, <laughs> yes i agree he's hanging out with 12 other dudes in dresses like yes. i don't understand <laughs> his facial hair immaculate you know this is, is a man who cares about his appearance a hundred percent yeah he takes a three-day vacation to the rocks. He comes back. Mm-hmm. He feels refreshed. Yes. <laughs> he's glowing. <laughs> he's literally glowing. <laughs> he's well hung. Okay, too far. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, so let's talk about this this fear attached to it. You know, how, how do we how do we fight back on this on this narrative that? Uh, about this this fear related to the queer community and and especially right now uh i feel like the i feel like the the people with the target on them is the transgender community right now it used to be gay men with the mm-hmm. hiv and all that back in the 90s that big epidemic was happening so everybody was like oh fucking stay away from gay men and gay men are bad and gay marriages and, da, da, da. and now mm-hmm. i feel like with the progressive movement and transgender folks coming uh, more into the front line and being more out into the open and saying, this is who I am and, and finding that pride within themselves. I feel like they've, now they have a target on them because they're asking for equal rights and they're asked, they're coming to the, to the, to the front of the line now and saying, mm-hmm. this is who I am and this is what I deserve. And, and I feel like it's put a target on them. And how, how do we, how do we get that target off of them? I think fear comes from not knowing, you know, it's the lack of education right? We had fear of AIDS and HIV because we didn't understand, like you can't get it from sitting in somebody else's chair. And so when we started learning and teaching people about it, we started to be like, oh, okay, now we understand. There's not so much fear behind it. Although I think we need to really focus in on HIV and AIDS protection in schools and sex ed, because I think that now it's not that big of a topic. I'm afraid that it's going to start coming back because it's like, you know, uh, something that we have forgotten about so much. Um, I used to teach sex ed in um, in charter school. So that's what I had come. And I always talked about that. Um, But again, with the transgender community and that, I think it has to do with education again, because, you know, we have different labels that people are using like non-binary or gender fluid and, people don't understand and then they might be afraid. And so I think it comes down to education. And, you know, I don't think it should always be that trans person that has to educate, you know, the room of people. Um, That's just not fair either. Um, I wouldn't have to want to go into a room and be like, okay, this is what it's like to be a female bodied person (laughs) every time I went to the room. (laughs) And so I think it's important we all come together and educate each other. 
I think you're right. I think a lot of times we uh, we confuse ignorance with hatred. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I I talk about this a lot, uh, especially with the election that was going on a few months ago. And, you know, you saw all these Trump loyalists and uh, come through and, and they're voting against all these, you know, these rights and these these laws. And it's because I feel like they have lack of diversity. I mean, I, I think you nailed it. It's that mm-hmm. idea of they don't they don't know any trans people. So it doesn't exactly. matter to them. They don't they're not going to vote for, you know, gay marriage or this or that because they don't know any gay folks. Yes. Um, <clears throat> and I found that out because I was from the East Coast where it's very liberal. And then right. I go out to Wisconsin to visit a friend and I was like, what? <laughs> like, we can't hold hands if we're the same gender. I don't think I saw any person of color when I was there. And so, you know, it, right. It's like, it doesn't affect them. So why learn about it or why, you know, care? Yeah. And that education is so key because there are so many, you know, new terms coming out all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I, I joke around about like, if, if you ask somebody in the Midwest what their pronouns are, they're like, well, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a veteran. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, ah, he's trying, you know, yes. they're trying. <laughs> uh, but it, it does get confusing, especially, you know, you, you brought up non-binary, which even even myself, like I'm pretty, I consider myself pretty woke and an ally and all these things. And when somebody says they're non-binary, I, I'm still kind of at a loss of words to how to address them moving forward. Or like, you know, this this new idea of when you do meet somebody, you're like, well, how do you identify? And that's always, it's awkward enough meeting new people, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to go to that weird, you know, this is the first time we're meeting dance of like, hey, how are, what do you do? Yeah. And with and now, COVID, we don't know if we can touch each right, other in yeah. any way. <laughs> six feet Uh, and so now you you put on top of this this pressure of not fucking up somebody's pronouns and their identity and and you know um and and in the comedy community it's even it's even bled over so much that uh you know we're not even allowed to say uh we're not allowed to address a a crowd with masculine pronouns. yeah you guys how are you know how are you know all that stuff it's it I feel like a lot of the pushback comes from this idea of overkill where I Mm -hmm. think like America is willing to learn and, and put some stuff in place, but it's the over, they, they they get overwhelmed with it and then they just give up Mm -hmm. this idea of like, Oh, you, you, you want to be gay. You want to be trans and that's great. That's fine. I'll honor that. You, you identify as this or great. Great. Well, now you want me to ask if you're they, them, he, her, all this stuff. Like, and now I have, now I can't even say, how you doing guys? And all this, like, fuck that. I'm just going to ignore people. I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to not talk to anybody. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> how do and we educate with not overwhelming? Well, I think that for me, what I started doing when I got into this field is I just kind of use they, them or the name until I proven differently. Right. Like if there's a mail carrier that comes to your house and you say to somebody, oh, the mail person just came, you say, oh, they did. Like you don't know their gender. Right. You just use they them. And so I just use they them until proven differently. And so I don't feel like I need to judge or, you know, put a gender on somebody that they may not identify as. Yeah, that's 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 way like I, I'm 
still, again, I'm still learning. I'm still evolving. Mm -hmm. And and even when you brought up male person, I'm like, oh, that's the mailman. (laughs) 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 And again, like I consider myself an ally and all these different Mm -hmm. things, but in my head, I'm like, oh, that's the mailman. And it's, I think that's more so to my point earlier about this lack of diversity. You know, I'm not around enough people who are using uh, or who are making sure that they are uh, hyper aware of pronouns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so that, you know, but if somebody were to hear me off the cuff and, and just in passing and I'm like, oh, that's the mailman, they'd be like, oh, that ignorant fucking fascist <laughs> racist yeah. Trumper. Thing. And they're like, I'm not yeah. any of those things. I, I, I didn't know. This is the mail. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like maybe that's something else we're battling here too in, in this country right now is everybody is so sensitive. Mm-hmm. even one slip up and and you're done you're out you, you mm-hmm. no redemption yeah. you gotta and get rid so, of your twitter yeah. <laughs> as a female body person like knowing that there are male carriers it's not always just male men like that has always been something for me that I pay attention to you know because you know I'm like oh women could be male carriers too and and so you know I might say oh are they all men? You know, like I can like kind of goof around with people, but as somebody who has grown up with that, I notice when people say like, okay, guys, let's get together. Like I noticed it today when I had a yoga class online, it's like, all right, guys, let's get started. I was like, and I still have tits, right? (laughs) 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 It's like, you know, it's the, you know, everybody's experience and being able to say like, hey, yoga person, let's use Hey, people, you know, like I want to feel included too. Yeah. And, and is that, is that what it boils down to? Is this, uh, is, is, is feeling included? Mm, yeah. Cause women were excluded for so many years from so many things and to be continued to be excluded from things, it can be really hurtful. Like, am I invisible in this space? You know, it's important. And even for transgender individuals, are they invisible now? Um, but they are visible. And so I think it's important. It's just a learning process, I think, for all of us. Yeah. And let's talk about that language a little bit. You know, we've, we've talked about non-binary a few times. Mm -hmm. And for people that don't, uh, maybe they're hearing this word for the first time, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. they haven't, maybe they're awoken from a coma after three years (laughs) and they've never heard the term non-binary or all the other terms that we're talking about um let's i would i would love for you to give a description like just a short uh description of of what these terms mean and and how they're Mm. used so transgender tends to be an umbrella of for a lot of terms underneath it so transgender can also mean like um you know, trans woman, trans male, non-binary, gender fluid, these would all be under there. Um, Some people feel that cross-dressing is under there, maybe uh, drag is under there. So transgender is kind of like an umbrella for that. Um, And so all these kind of fit underneath it. And there's plenty of more other things that can be into that umbrella. Yeah, I guess I'm confused. I always always kind of think I would have placed gender fluid more with non-binary than I would have placed it uh, with with transgender. Yeah. I feel like this is a weird SAT where transgender is to gender fluid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I definitely would have placed it under non-binary because I feel like it it expresses that uh, that 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 ever-changing feeling. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but as it used as a, I mean, some people may disagree with me of this, but most people will say like the trans community, which will include a lot of people. Um, a lot of people will just say the queer community. That's another word that's being re, uh, we're taking it back. You know, it's not a derogatory word. We're taking it as like, this is our community. We are queer. Um, and so using that in a powerful way. So, you know, so the trans community, a lot of things can fit under that trans umbrella. And so what is, what is non-binary then? So non-binary would be an individual that doesn't identify as male or female. Um, it could be somebody who um, doesn't feel like they're attached to any gender. Um, it could be somebody who might feel more male one day and maybe female another day. Um, it's just how that person may identify. They just don't identify straightly as male or female. And some people will be like, oh, that's a made up thing. You know, this is just a trend. But once you meet somebody who identifies as non-binary, you're like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I, I, I do want to talk about the separation of gender and sexuality because that mm-hmm. they don't always go hand in hand. And so when you're talking about this non-binary, sometimes they identify as a man, sometimes they identify as a woman. Um you're not talking about their sexuality. It's not like you, it's, they're, they're not always attached. So you're not saying that one day I woke up and I feel like a dude who wants to get with chicks. And <laughs> and then the next day I feel like a lesbian. I'm a chick who wants to get with chicks. This yep. day I'm a chick who wants to get with men and this and that. It, it doesn't necessarily mean that. It's more about how you identify as a, as, as a self, right? Yeah. And if you think about LGBT, actually the T is different from the LGB. Uh, LGB is your sexual orientation. T is actually how you identify. And so some people feel like, why are we just sticking T in there? Because there's nowhere else to put it. Um, so some people feel like that is like just a, you know, a mistake. Like it shouldn't be a part of that. It's not uh, sexuality. It's your identity. Right. That's so interesting. And I, I think that uh, that is, again, I, I think you're right. We we need more education on this and we, it needs mm-hmm. to be taught in schools, which uh, goes back to the religion talk. Exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, God doesn't want your kid learning about transgender folk. <laughs> nope, because you might be molested. <laughs> yeah, it'll turn you gay right away. Yep. <laughs> God, it's just so we are, I feel like we're so uh, stifled by religion in this country. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that with the trans stuff, parents are struggling with this because children are coming out saying like, we are non-binary, we might feel trans, you know, all this type of thing. And parents are like, where did this all come from? And they're thinking like social media is making their kids gay or uh, trans or non-binary or pansexual but it's it's more the kids have access to these resources now like i thought lesbianism was a new thing in the 80s because i had no reference to it before until i saw my uncle's porn magazine so i did not know so that's the thing like now we have more access to resources and other people so kids are now understanding like they don't have to be gay straight male or female it's not that the internet is turning them this way. Right. Yeah. It's more of an awakening. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's more of more of an awakening and less of a conversion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. So Although, I don't know about my uncle's porn magazine. I do like girls. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who doesn't? Right. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I want to talk about that a little bit. How, how do you navigate, um, you know, when, let's say you, you have a, you know, cause, cause people are identifying younger and younger now, let's say you have an eight or 10 year old that comes to you and says, I don't, I don't feel like uh, a male or female or whatever. I don't identify as this. I mm-hmm. identify as that. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you navigate those conversations? I think it's important to let your child know that you love them no matter how they identify and who they are. And then just let them explore you know, if they want to wear a dress to school, then wear a dress to school, you know, like let them be them. Don't feel like they need to be pressured into, you know, society's needs for people to be conformative. How do you feel about the transgender surgeries that go on at a young age? Do, do you think mm. there should be an age limit or do you think it's, you know, whenever they identify it's okay. And if, if my eight-year-old, you know, wants to have the surgery, then it's let's do it. Or, should there be an age limit? Should there be a, a law? Well, there's no age limit of cutting off the foreskin of a male penis. True. True. <laughs> so. <laughs> but that's because God said you exactly. can do a little snip <laughs> if you want. <laughs> Take a little off the top, Barber. <laughs> hoodie or no hoodie? <laughs> right, right. I mean, are, uh, have there been studies that, uh, I guess it's still a, a pretty new thing. So I'm not sure how many studies have been done about the reversal. Yeah. And the thing is, is that when people think of transgender surgery, they automatically think of like, you're going to chop your penis off. Like that <laughs> tends to be like the last thing on people's minds. <laughs> right. There's yeah. more to the transition than that. Um, and for children, typically they'll start with puberty blockers because that will prevent like the um, secondary sexual organs, like so breasts won't develop, you know, things like that. So it kind of gives them time to grow without having to worry about hitting puberty. Um, and so people will typically wait until they're in their teens before they really start discussing like, okay, what do we want to do physically uh, to our bodies. And do you think, you know, I want to tap into this idea of imposter syndrome in the queer community because mm. it, it, it feels like it's, uh, it's definitely an issue because I, you know, in the queer community, you have a lot of these stories coming out where they've, they felt, you know, gay for so long, but didn't know what it was exactly. They, you know, you hear a lot of times these people coming out stories and they're like, I just knew that I was different or I just knew that I was you know, not like everybody else, this and that you hear that that's a that's a very common mm-hmm. narrative. How do we how do you uh, how do you distinct that from this imposter syndrome versus actually dealing with your your true sexuality or true gender? I think it starts when we're younger. I think people are afraid that, you know, if we talk about trans stuff when kids are younger, they're going to get confused. But honestly, we've been teaching kids that if you kiss a frog, it's going to turn into a human. Or if you <laughs> dance with a beast, it's going to turn into a human. You know, so right. kids, if you tell them like, oh, you know, sometimes boys feel like girls and sometimes girls feel like boys and sometimes they don't feel like either. Kids will usually say like, oh, 
okay. And then just move on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we had these same conversations. Like sometimes people have two mommies and some people have two daddies and families come in all different shapes and sizes. Um, and so it's like, if we start off that way, then we give that freedom for people to just be who they are and who they feel comfortable with. Yeah. How do you battle that imposter syndrome in, in the queer community? You know, it's interesting because I recently tried to look up imposter syndrome in the queer community, and a lot of it has to do with, you know, the gender stuff. Um, But imposter syndrome also affects them in other ways, too, which is not typically thought of. But in the queer community, there's more than one facet to that person's life. Um, But, you know, I think it's important to kind of be who you feel comfortable with, be with the tribe that you feel comfortable with sometimes just having like a therapist or a coach or somebody just to be there with you to have that you know that person to be like yeah you are amazing and yes this this is a struggle you know it's it's important to feel that you have that tribe with you yeah a lot of time I mean you've been a therapist for a while and it's you know a lot of times it is just about that affirmation it is just about listening it's not about solving problems it's mm-hmm. about just just being there and, and being uh, almost a, a sponsor and validation some people just want validation like yes, yes you know you know recently I had somebody say like I was so excited because now I'm starting to pass as female until I went on a date with a male and they didn't know that I was trans. And so I had to come out to this person and that date ended. And so it's like, there's, you think that they should be excited because they pass as female, but then we don't talk about like, what's the other side to that? And yeah, there is this, this you know, narrative in your head that you had and it's not turning out the way you thought it was gonna be. So, and just having somebody to validate that, like, yeah, that must've been really tough and uncomfortable. Yeah. And I, I, it's, it's such a, a, a weird thing that, cause I've, I've seen a lot of this is where, you know, I, I'm, I'm on TikTok a lot and everybody is always so personal and, and, and so just like, they just spill their guts about everything on TikTok. Right. And these one yeah. minute videos, you learn so much about other people's struggles. And I, I always say that it's like a, it's like a window that to, to empathy, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you're just seeing all of these people and what they're dealing with. And I've seen this a few times where you'll have a trans woman talking about going on a date like you talked about mm-hmm. and then having to reveal that, you know, they they still have all the parts, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yep. still have all the old hardware and yeah. <laughs> uh, and how the guy was you know disgusted by it or grossed out and how they'd say that they're not gay and it is you're fighting against this narrative that getting with a trans woman makes you gay. Which is interesting because there are plenty of men that like things up that side who are not gay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They're called politicians. I think that's how they identify. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, how, how do we normalize uh, trans women being women and not in it, not being gay to hook up sexually Mm -hmm. with a trans woman? if you're a straight cis male? I think it depends on like what you feel comfortable sexually. I mean, there are some men who enjoy sex anyway, you know? So it's, it's, 
How yeah, I have a bunch of friends that will, that fucked couches in high school. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> like, you're not going to fuck this beautiful trans woman. I've seen you hump a stuffed animal. Like, yes. <laughs> there's a reason there's a hole cut in that pillow, Chad. Exactly. <laughs> like, and how many people complain that they don't get enough anal? <laughs> <laughs> it's every husband's dream. It's anal. Exactly. You... <laughs> so if we just take the labels off of it, does this make me gay or straight and just be what we feel comfortable with doing then you know there isn't that that pressure yeah and I, I think you and I talked about this off air you know I just I talked to somebody yesterday about race relations and they were taught we talked about how to normalize race relations in America we're we're just seeing more of it right seeing mm-hmm. more of it in television shows and movies and billboards when you're driving down the street and all that stuff and in other countries you know I mentioned this that it's it's nothing to see you know a Muslim man selling crest toothpaste or mm-hmm. you know wh- whatever the, all this diversity is is in front of their face and it has been for decades but America, unfortunately, is still catching up to that. Yes. And I think that might be the key, again, to what helps the queer community. If we are seeing, you know, the, Hollywood is sneaking it in here and there. I mean, you you have a, a funny gay couple on Modern Family for the past mm-hmm. 10 years now. And America's like, all right, well, you yes. know what? <laughs> it's a comedy show. We'll take it. <laughs> but then um, we have um, like Shit's Creek, who's really normalized yes. this. I mean, to come out and say like, oh, my son is pansexual. And I'm sure people are like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> that wine speech that he gives about loving the wine and not the label. Exactly. Yes. It, it, I, you know, it's beautifully broken down to what exactly it, it is to be attracted, to be pansexual, to be, mm-hmm. a, to have this open sexuality. Yeah. Um, but if we yeah. think back to Roseanne in the 90s, there was a warning at the beginning of the show when there was a woman that kissed Roseanne. Like... Mm-hmm. Holy moly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Ellen lost her job yes. and livelihood and everything when she took a stand and came out on her sitcom back mm-hmm. then. So Rosie O'Donnell, the same thing. Years hiding the fact. I mean, anybody that yeah. <laughs> sees Rosie O'Donnell, you're like, I think uh, yeah. <laughs> I think I see what's happening here. Uh, but now we I, have like cartoons for adults as Big Mouth, who has a trans individual uh, on there as a character. We have, um, you know, dramas on TV with a character who identifies as non-binary. So we're slowly coming into it. And I think, you know, people are looking it up like, oh, what does that mean to be pansexual? And everybody loves Schick's Creek. So, you know, it's starting to come out in our everyday uh, experiences. Yeah. And they're doing it uh, mostly through, through comedy, which mm-hmm. I'm, I'm all for. I, I believe, you know, uh, my family always settled thing, you know, hard topics with harder laughter. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, uh, I always joke around that a little bit of sugar makes the medicine go down. Right. So yes. <laughs> as long as you're joking and having a good time, then you can talk about real things and mm-hmm. heart and have hard conversations. And we're seeing that more and more th- with the queer community, you know, again, Modern mm-hmm. Family, Shit's Creek, even Transparent is yeah. is comedy. Um, the, the Birdcage back in the day with Robin Williams, that was, you oh know. Oh my gosh, that was a great movie. <laughs> a great movie. And it, it, the lead was a, a strong male gay couple. Um, mm-hmm. But it's done through the eye, the lens of, 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 of jokes and comedy. Mm-hmm. I would love to see in the future more drama-based things, more serious things, more revealing, more reality shows that have that focus on 
queer couples and transgenders and, and all of these things. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's, that would be a huge step forward for us. Yes. And I think it's slowly coming. I, I do think it's coming, um, which is a good thing. Um, yeah. From what I've experienced with people that I've worked with. Yeah. And just normalizing. And again, you know, the, uh, one of the big issues that we're having now, well, we were having <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the wicked witch is dead. <laughs> Trump is gone and uh, transgenders are allowed to serve in the U S military again, which I never understood why they weren't in the first place. Oh my gosh. This is like one of the biggest arguments I had with somebody that I was dating at one time. I was like, <laughs> I can't believe we're having this conversation. <laughs> and his right. thing was, well, not everybody can do every job, so they should just find another job. And I was just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah I, the, the, the narrative I'm hearing on, on the right um, in, in my feed is that the US military, you know, people are signing up for the military just so they can pay off their surgeries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, that was the other the other argument to it too. Yeah, and I guess my uh, my counter argument is: what's the difference between all the other reasons you sign up for the military? You think mm-hmm. everybody that serves is doing it because they love their country so much and their grandpappy served and all this? No, they're doing it to make a better life for their family, for themselves, to pay off college debt, to pay mm-hmm. off a house or whatever. Like they're serving to to get the, the benefits that you get to, to, to get when you risk your fucking life for your country. And so if these people are willing to risk their fucking lives, <laughs> then mm-hmm. who cares if they're, if they're getting breast implants with that money or whatever the fuck, yeah. like who cares? And the interesting thing is, is that I've worked with uh, trans individuals, like when they were teens and for them to get hormones or to get like top surgery, they have to come and see a therapist and we have to assess, okay, is their life negatively affected by this? You know, is there a depression and is there a diagnosis that is caused by this? If so, then insurance companies will say like, okay, then it's medically necessary for that. Now, when you go into the military and you have that depression on your record, the military doesn't want you. And so it's like a catch 22. Ah, okay. Yeah. So I'm seeing, you know, I didn't, I didn't think about that. I didn't Mm -hmm. think about the, you know, the woes of, uh, of growing up and having, because you are, you are treated like damaged goods a lot of times when you're coming up in the queer community. And there are, you know, although we've had a lot of progress, it's still kind of a taboo thing to be queer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's sad. But I feel like hopefully it's going to get better. You know, I really do. Yeah, and and you work, you work in the in the you work as a, a transfer a transformational coach. What exactly is that? Is that geared towards transgender people, or is this just a a self empowerment uh, coaching? I call myself the trans transformational coach of the queer community. Um, so I work with everybody. Um, I say I work with individuals who identify as queer or allies. I just don't like to work with any assholes. That's just pretty much what it is. <laughs> like, I will work with you if you are not an asshole. <laughs> right. Uh, so that is just like why that name is there. Um, but I work with creative individuals. I work with therapists. 
um, really talking about like, what are your life goals? What are your aspirations? And how are we going to help you get there? Because there are so many people out there that have like these dreams and these goals, but they're just spinning their wheels because they can't figure out the steps to get there. Um, and so like for me, I had this dream of moving to Puerto Rico. And so I set up my business in the state so that I knew eventually I would be free where I can move to Puerto Rico and being able to transform my whole life in that situation. And so I like to be able to help other people be able to do that, to live the life that's more aligned with who they are. Yeah, you, you talk uh, a lot about how to get unstuck. And yes. this is a feeling I feel like everybody deals with. You know, we talk, we already talked about the imposter syndrome, which I feel like mm-hmm. everybody deals with as well. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, this feeling of being stuck. Are there any tips and tricks you can give people to how, do, how the fuck do you get unstuck? You hire a coach that calls himself the transformation coach <laughs> for the queer community. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think. You know, for me, it sounds weird, but I started off with a vision board because I'm just a creative and visual like that. Um, and then having that just visually there every day, realizing like, okay, this is what I'm working towards. And then reverse engineering that backwards, you know, like, okay, okay. so what's the step that needs to do this? Okay, well, what's going to stop me from getting there? And really thinking about each barrier and how you're going to get through it. Yeah, I think a lot of people get overwhelmed when it comes to bigger ideas, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you think, oh, I, I want to, you know, I want to buy this, this brand new Porsche. And you're mm-hmm. like, well, how the fuck are we going to get this Porsche? We have $200. Well, I need to do this. I need to do this. And making that list mm-hmm. helps you so much because it breaks down that bigger idea and makes it more digestible. Mm-hmm. You're working towards little goals every day instead of getting overwhelmed with the feeling of, how the fuck can I get this goal? And talk about the goal with people because you never know who you're going to talk to that might be a good connection to getting that Porsche. Be like, oh, I have this Porsche that I'm going right, to get rid yeah. of the taxes. Like, here you go. Like, you never know. So just talk to people about your goals and ideas and get some input on it. Putting it out in the universe is huge. Exactly. Yes. And do you, so do you believe in uh, manifesting things? Yes. Yes. I'm like that woo woo type of person. I do. I took a trip down to Puerto Rico and looked at condos as if I was going to buy them three years ago because I knew like I needed to see what I was working towards. Love it. And here Love I it. Yeah. I, I just started getting into self-care and all that stuff a few years ago. And, uh, you know, I, I do the whole thing, you know, I live in LA. So of course I have a vision board. Yes. <laughs> I've got all those things, you know, we saged the place when we moved in, mm-hmm. we, you know, I'm there. Uh, I, the thing I, I do struggle with manifestation though. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, cause it does feel a little silly when you first started out and you're writing down your gratitudes and you're doing mm-hmm. all that and you you're speaking it into the universe uh, i do it a lot of my hikes mm-hmm. uh you know i'd be out on a mountain by myself nobody you know within miles of me and i'm out there out loud saying i deserve to be creative i deserve to be mm-hmm. this i deserve the opportunities you know blah 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 yeah yeah and putting it out into the universe even if it's even if it's to nobody mm-hmm I feel but like that's so important. It's training your subconscious to look for those opportunities. Um, yes. And I'm a hypnotherapist too. 
And so I know that you can train your mind to see things and to not see things. I mean, how many times have we looked in the refrigerator and look for the ketchup and it's right in your face? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. But putting that intention out there, you're triggering your brain and you're noticing like, oh, there's the course. There's that course. You know, like you're training your subconscious to really reach out for those opportunities. Yeah, I forget what that effect is called, but it, it is the same. It kind of works in the same way. Like, let's let's say you, you do buy a, a Porsche. Then for the rest of your life, like as long as you drive that Porsche, you're passing other Porsches on the high. That's all you see. You're like, oh, there's a there's another port. There's a port. Like yeah. when you buy a new mattress, all you see is mattress stores and mattress. Yes. Ad. You're like, oh, there's a, there's a billboard I've never seen before. <laughs> like, I wonder I how they they're enjoying them. their blue mattress. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. It, 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 you, your brain does start recognizing those things and piece it together. And, you know, I'm obsessed with this idea of the subconscious mind of, mm-hmm. um, I read a book a few years ago. I've, I've read it a few times. I've given away every copy I've ever bought to friends. Uh, the power of the subconscious mind, which mm-hmm. talks about just everything that you could do to, again, plant those seeds, especially even before you go to bed. It's so important to think about what you're trying to be better at before you go to sleep. And that way, because your, your subconscious is I'm always missing working. out on that one because it's just masturbation. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what you do to get to sleep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> before that. <laughs> this, yeah. This is right before masturbation. You. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's this idea. Like I've I have you know heard stories about people learning to play the piano better or learning uh, speeches that they've thought about and and this and languages uh, as they sleep um, mm-hmm. because before they're going to bed they're listening to them having recordings and then playing the piano and it goes over and over in your mind and then you go to sleep and your subconscious is working even though your brain is shut off even though you're asleep your subconscious is replaying that piano clip over and over again and going here's how we fucked up here's how we get better you missed this mm-hmm. key and then when you wake up the next day and you're playing and playing it more and more and days go on it's like you're doing double time and yes. before you know it, you, you're this master pianist <laughs> because you've been studying in your fucking sleep without mm-hmm. actually having to be awake and, and put that work in. It's so important. Which is interesting because I've been looking for this Spanish program somebody suggested to me last week about how I can listen to it before I bed, go bed and I can start learning Spanish. And I was like, oh, I got to find that note somewhere. Yes, yes. It, yeah, all of that, especially language. Um, mm-hmm. Studying it before you go to sleep or as you're laying in bed is whatever you're drifting off to. I mean, that's why they tell you to turn off your phones and TVs, yes. you know, at least a half hour, 45 minutes before you go to sleep because that shit is poison (laughs) it'll just keep you up all night Mm -hmm. although i do listen to murder mysteries to get to sleep (laughs) now if you're masturbating to murder mysteries i think i am a weirdo problem (laughs) i i don't want to judge but i'm just saying (laughs) it's a particular website i like (laughs) (laughs) unsolvedmysteries.com i like to get on there Get a little freaky. Yeah. <laughs> um, before we leave, I want to talk about your book, uh, The Profitable Practice. It is all about starting small business and giving people tips and tricks and encouragement on, on how to take your small business and make it big business. Is there anything you want to share about that book uh, be- before, we, before we leave? It was pretty much uh, created from everything that I did wrong uh, and learned how to do after. Uh, Love that. Yeah, yeah, it was just falling forward for the first couple of years. But 
I grew my business so fast. Um, this year, my accountant was like, I need to break up with you. You grew too fast. And I can't <laughs> handle your account anymore. <laughs> I mean, I think you've said already you have an accountant. That means yeah. that- <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing comedy almost. (laughs) Yeah, I've been doing comedy almost twenty years. I I've never had an accountant. (laughs) (laughs) But he asked me, he's like, "What the hell did you do to grow so fast? Because my business is only a little over five years old." And so I want to share that with other people who are healers trying to create a business and a life that they enjoy. And so I decided to put it in a book, which is ironic because I'm dyslexic and I hate writing. But did it. <laughs> so the book starts at the end and you yes. kind of work your way down. <laughs> it's like manifesting. Yes. It starts with yes. the goal. <laughs> we go backwards. Works backwards. <laughs> yes. I can't wait to finish this book so I could start my journey. Yes. <laughs> and now we make the vision board the end. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's called Beginning at the End. And it's yes. by- <laughs> No, that's so interesting. How did you how did you overcome this the dyslexia and everything else that goes along with that in actually buckling down to write this book? It's interesting what you will do when you have paid somebody to get a result out of you. <laughs> so I paid a book coach and I made sure I got that damn book done in three weeks, uh, three months. Like people were like three months. I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> I'm wow. going to be the best student and I'm going to get it done. And pretty much I had to write it out first and then I had to type it and then do like all the corrections on that. So it pretty much wrote the book twice. Um, So in just my whole life, it's just been trying to figure out creative ways to get around the disability. I probably spell cancel wrong every single day of my life. (laughs) (laughs) And I am somebody who works with appointments every day of my life. Right. (laughs) And so it's just like, well, that's me and that's just how it's going to be. And I just work around it. (laughs) Yeah, this seems like a perfect book right now to get in this uh, weird time that we're living in where everybody's at home and everybody is starting a small business right now. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And that's why I say it's important to get a coach too who's been through that. Um, When I first started my practice, I scraped together pennies to get a coach because I did not want to start all this by myself. Um, And it was very helpful. And throughout my career, I've had different coaches for different things that I was going to do because, you know, we're in school, we have teachers. What means we don't have a teacher now for trying to do something new? Yeah. Yeah. I love that mentality. And I think a lot of times, you know, we, we get older and we get more stubborn. And so we Mm -hmm. refuse, you know, to ask for that help that's so needed. Mm -hmm. And it's this person who's walking with you on your journey too. And they have connections to other people that they've helped with. And so that you start building this community around the work that you're doing. Yeah. Again, putting it out in the universe and making those connections, you Mm -hmm. know, it's, it sounds trivial or it sounds stupid or or whatever, but it works. Yeah. Yep. A hundred percent. I mean, I started a podcast because I get to meet people, not because I want anybody to listen to it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's just but me I am listening so happy to this podcast. For those two people that are listening. <laughs> I don't even publish these. I just keep yeah. them on a hard drive. I listen to them every once in a while. <laughs> I saw this picture that says, "Mom, I made a new friend." And she was like, "Is it a new friend or is it a podcast host?" <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, especially yes. again in these COVID times. It's like I'm, I've been hanging out with my friends. You're like you've been watching The Office for twelve hours. Yes. <laughs> 
We're it's friends. So true. Yes, we are. <laughs> well, I feel like I made a new friend today. Aww. Oh, me too. Uh, thank you so much for, for coming on. Uh, please tell the people where they can find you and find your book. Uh, at melissadasilva.com. Perfect. Uh, thanks again for coming on and, and talking with me. Thanks for having me. guys for listening i really really appreciate it i want to say special thanks to my guest melissa de silvia if you want to check her out you can find her at melissadesilvia.com that is m-e-l-i-s-s-a-d-a-s-i-l-v-a.com and if you want to check me out or follow along you can always do that on twitter or instagram everything is at malone comedy that's at malone comedy and I also have a book out. It's on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or wherever you buy your books. It's called Dead Serious. And if you enjoyed today's conversation, please make sure you hit subscribe, like, share it with a friend. Thanks again for listening. too sick of hearing my voice you can check out another podcast that i'm on called speakerphone i do it with my friend and singer songwriter ryan m brewer it's a good time uh you know pretty much the premise is him and i were having these great conversations over the years they were thought-provoking they were funny they were interesting and nobody got to hear them and so now <laughs> we started to record our phone conversations and share them with the world it's called speakerphone and you can listen to it on itunes spotify or wherever you're listening to this podcast podcast at.
Don't forget to subscribe.